Man, I needed that. Um, I needed that praise set. Phenomenal. Just, uh, he break, break down the strongholds, right? Sometimes it seems that life is just so overwhelming and uh, the challenges are so great. It's, it's you know, it, think about what's before us and um, I think about the culture stuff a lot. I read a lot about that. That's kind of my thing. Part of it was working at Fuller Seminary and being exposed to different kind of theology, different books, different authors and stuff. But very, I mean, the, the culture thing, it just seems like we're getting punched in the face every time we turn around. And um, sometimes as Christians living in, you know, 21st century America, um, it, it doesn't feel like the battle belongs to the Lord. Sometimes it feels there's kind of ebbing and slipping and sliding, sliding away. And then we gather together and we get to think about that. And we get to pray over that. We get to sing over that. We get to let God's word speak to our hearts through the marvelous, marvelous musicians and, and singers. And let that kind of stiffen our resolve and toughen us up a little bit and say, you know what? I, I got this. I, I can do this. Let's, let's rip. So the, this, this morning, I... I Stefan got us going on Matthew 28, and, and I've got a scripture I'm going to read in a minute, but I love that idea of God being big. Now, now, don't get me wrong, I like the idea of God being personal, of God knowing exactly what's going on in my life, but it, it, this last two weeks or so, I just need a big God. I, I, I need a God in, in whose arms I can find rest, and that thing of peace, um, it, it's sometimes very elusive. And I've got a little God doing little things to little parts of my life instead of a great big God who says, you know, Clink, I got you. I, I, it, you're you're going to make it. I'm gonna, you're going to weather this. You're going to go. We're going we're gonna to get it done. And so this morning, I want to just think about that a little bit. I want you to think about the challenges going on in your life. Maybe as you were singing and, and participating, you were like, Hey, wait a minute, They're, they chose this one for me. You know, sometimes I, I feel like, oh, they, they chose that praise song for me. So I've, I struggle a little bit when people come to me and they say, you know what, Pastor, God, God told me. Well, then what you need to do is just say, well, if God told you, then I'll do whatever you ask. So it's always funny because of that leverage, right? And, and if God tells you, then you better handle it because God's so big and God can move and mold your will. And, and by the way, if God told me to tell you, then you better do it. And you know that works sometimes. And people become kind of spiritually manipulated in that. You know, God told me that you need to do this. And Lutherans don't do a lot of that. I mean, I, I, I've heard God speak to me audibly two times. He said the same word twice repent. And I called a friend of mine who I was having a conflict and I said, brother, I just heard from the Lord. He goes, really? He said, yeah, repent. I said, I'm sorry. And it, he goes, and he started to cry on the phone and all this stuff. It was kind of, God told me, God never told me how to get rich. God never told me how to be perfect. God never told me what you needed to do. Uh, but God speaks through his word. And I'm reminded that when God tells people to do stuff. It's never the fun, joyful stuff. It's always extremely painful stuff. God told me to tell you, 
and then it's Moses, David, Solomon, St. Paul, and you're like, wait a minute, that, that unhinges my whole life. That, the bigness of that challenge, God, I, you know, I, I just wanted to know if I should get a black truck or a gray truck. Well, God told me to get the black truck. Those are the simple ones, right? Should we have tacos for dinner or cheeseburgers? Uh, God said we should have cheeseburgers. No, 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 no. If God comes down and God talks to you, it's going to be a God-sized thing. And uh, the Bible's replete with uh, pieces of that. But, but God told me to tell you, when that happens, that changes the whole course of history. And so I want to read one of those moments where God grabbed a person and said, okay, now you're, now you're going to go. Your life and you're this bad dude and, and now we're, we're going to change this all up. And this is from Exodus chapter, chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock on it to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign that, to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So just a little history going back. How old is America? 1776 less 2023 or 2023 less 1776 we are where's my math people <laughs> no not Tracy over 200 years the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years 400
hundred years. They had no recollection of what it was like to live as free people. None. All of that stuff that they came with Joseph and, and the brothers and all of that thing that happened at the back half of Genesis, that's all ancient history. And their job was to build the stuff you see on the screen. How'd that all get built? Well, with slave labor. They were not free people. They huddled in their little place and they, and they remembered God. And they, and they gathered around the fires in their home. And they said, just remember, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And as soon as Moses would have gone into that community and said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he, that's who I represent, they would have been like, but that was a long time ago. Where's God been? What's God been doing? We got big problems here in Egypt, and, and we're a mess, and, 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 the, and the slavery's ratcheting up. They won't let us use straw to make bricks, and the bricks fall apart, and, it's, and they're beating us. It's just awful. So God comes down. God comes down. And when God comes down, everything begins to change and move underneath the feet of the Egyptians. Remember, history Pharaoh was the most powerful person in the world. And God said to Moses, what? You, 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 you go talk to him. And Moses like, okay, whatever. Oh, what, what do I say? God said, I will, I will give you the words you need to handle and you'll, you'll be okay. So God came down. In the middle of that bush... God comes down, he speaks to Moses, he says, hey, here's what's going to happen. And then these little words, who should I say sent me to you? And God said, tell them, I am who I am has sent me to you. That is the root of a Hebrew pronounced Yahweh. Now, I want you to sound smart when you come out of worship today. So repeat after me, Ani, Yahweh. I am who I am, Ani Yahweh. It's marvelous that he didn't say my name is Fred, right? Or, who should I say saying, well, you tell him Kevin, Kevin's on his way. You tell him that, that'll be good. Uh-uh. He says what? You tell them I am who I am has sent me to you. And they're like, seriously, you're sending me a verb? Right. Why a verb? Because that's the God who's living and active in the hearts and lives of his people. That's the God who didn't forget. That's the God who's going to fight every battle. That's the God who's had his eye on his people for 400 years. Ani Yahweh means God is not dead. God is not an idol sitting on a shelf. But God is God who's living and active in all of society, in all of creation. Our God, Yahweh, is a big, big God. Big enough to move one of the largest groups of slaves out of the most powerful country in the world at the moment by one guy named Moses. I don't think Moses went up to, to the people and said, well, who sent me to you? I don't think he said, Ani, Yahweh. I think he put his shoulders back in his chest out and he said, Ani, Yahweh, I am who I am has sent me to you. The big, big God who's living and active in history. 
and who not only remembers, but intervenes in the hearts and lives of his people. And so those verses are powerful, right? What has God been doing for 400 years? Well, you know what? He's been watching. With that, he's also heard the crying out of his people. And he's concerned. His heart is inclined toward their suffering. When we're struggling in our lives, part of the problem is that we feel so alone. Who do you turn to? We live at a time where anxiety is palpable in our culture. And, and the least little bit of, of uh, uh, poking, prodding, whatever, and people just melt down. I don't know about you, but some of the Twitter feed stuff I see, I'm like, you've got to be kidding. You went to blows with somebody in a bus station because of that? Are you nuts? Well, they put cheese on my hamburger, and I said I didn't want it. So, really? You jumped the counter and beat the guy up? Are you nuts? That irrational piece, right? This scripture leads us to the presence of God in our lives. What does God do in your life? You know what? If you're in a miserable spot, I want you to know today that the promise of God is that he sees the miserable spot you're in. I want you to know that as you cried out, as you've cried out in prayer to the Lord to intervene in the miserable spot, that God hears your crying And that last piece is maybe the most powerful piece, that he is concerned about the suffering that you're going through, be it emotional, financial, marital, relational. God is concerned about where you're at and what you're doing in your life, and it's that concern that moves him to action in your life. It's that big, big God who intervenes in history. And as he did for the people of Egypt, so too he does for us, intervening and moving in the space and in the time of our lives. Ani Yahweh. I am who I am. Not an idol on a shelf. Not a God who's sitting in a temple somewhere saying, bring me treasure and bring me gold. But the God who was living and active in the lives of the Israelites and in the lives of our people, his people today. I don't know about you, but, but those three pieces that come right out of this Bible text were, were powerful for me. What is God doing? He's got his eye on you because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And so we have God shown to us in three different ways. One God, three persons. The Trinity, right? Three in one. And I can't show you the Trinity. There's all sorts of kind of trite, stupid little things that you can do. And I can put them in a wall. It's kind of like this. And every one of those analogies breaks down. It always gets stupid at some point. And I honor you more than doing something, well, in a sermon, doing something dumb. I've done plenty of dumb things, but whatever. But God, big. Big God above me. It's all in the hands of God the Father. By him and through him are all things. Your life is in God the Father's hands. In life, in death, in health, in sickness, all of the political machinations that will be going on in the next year and as we get to the primary thing and we're all just going to be, oh my word. All of the things going on economically, 
All of the things that are seemingly out of our control are managed, organized, and handled by God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And I rest a little easier knowing that the weight of the world is on his shoulders and not mine. And that he cares about the things that go on in our lives. Big God. Big God. Bigger than the United States. Bigger than the whole world that my little grandson sings, Papa, he's got the whole world in his hands. And so we say that. We confess that. Sometimes you close your eyes and you say, you know what? It all feels so overwhelming, but I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. God above us, God beside us. Jesus didn't, uh, God didn't send his son as a politician or an engineer or a businessman or a pastor even or a teacher as a rabbi. You can make a little case for that. But he didn't send him down in this official capacity. He sent him down as a human being. He had a mom. He was born. He had family. He was a real person. And why is that? So that we can identify with what he's got going on. And he can identify with us. The big old God out there doing his thing brings comfort. But the Jesus who walks with us brings companionship. And when we feel alone, we're reminded that we're not. Well, why? Because the promise is that God is beside us in Jesus not to judge or clobber or beat up, but the God who forgives and the God who loves, the God who is chiefly known in exercising mercy to his people with the power, the absolute power of, of, of his life shown in servanthood to humanity when he suffered and died on the cross. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, God beside me, God with me, a God who has redeemed me in all things. You ever think of that? That your whole life has been redeemed and purchased of Jesus on the cross? And that what you do has a holy peace to it? It doesn't matter if you're making bricks like the people of Israel or you're counting your millions down in Newport Beach. It just doesn't matter. What matters is that all of those things that we do, as well as our whole body, soul, and spirit, has all been redeemed, purchased of God, and while we are our own and self-governing, uh, self self-guiding, yet we belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. The sins of the past that we've sung about this morning, the, the, the stuff of the stronghold, those, those pieces of getting after it, of tenacity of the will, isn't it beautiful? To know that that battle belongs to the Lord Jesus. And any battle he's in, he wins. We sang that he wins every battle. And God inside of me. God above me. God beside me. God inside of me. And say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I love that. Yesterday I went on a bike ride. I was all on my own. And it's really nice when you're on your own. I mean, I can go at my own pace. And, you know, and, and it was this weird, it was this weird biker. I think I saw a, a, blue, a blue racer rattlesnake yesterday. 
It was the fastest snake I'd ever seen. The rattlesnakes are like, what are you going to do? Run me over? But this thing is like, Ooh, and I'm like, Ugh. I know what it was. It could have been an anaconda for all I know. I know. And, and I feel when I'm on my own, I had my Bible app going. I look down. I see my heart going. I can feel my lungs filling up with air. You climb that hill, got an electric bike. I put it in Zoom or Boost instead of easy. And Come down the hill, sit at the top of Irvine Park, and catch my breath. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God for us. We breathe out pain, and we breathe out sin, and we breathe out broken pieces, and we breathe in truth and grace and love and forgiveness. And maybe most of all, it's that spirit inside of us that gives us a powerful sense of hope. I hope you don't ever see a burning bush. I, I really hope you don't. Uh, because if you do and God says, you know what, you need to go to China and you need to get this whole thing figured out. Well, who should I say sent me? I am who I am on Yahweh. And you're like, man, this is just what Pastor Tim said was going to happen, right? What we have now because of Jesus and the Spirit is hope. And it's hope that presses us forward. It's hope that strengthens our spirits and strengthens our hearts. It's hope that binds us together as the body of Christ. It's hope that allows us to H-O-P-E, hold out past evil. H-O-P-E, hold out past evil. And so that spirit of God speaking to us in the words, reminding us that, that we belong, that God's got this, reminding us that God is with us in Jesus, reminding that we are God's beloved. That's what the spirit does. He leads us to Jesus, leads us to the cross. We've got a big, big Join me in prayer. Lord, when I preach off PowerPoint slides, they just seem to go forever. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I ask your hand upon those who are struggling today. We made it to the end of school, Lord. Uh, but to get there, it just takes so much effort and work. Uh, I pray that the summer and the season would, would provide us to breathe in of the hope of the the spirit of the living God. Provide us opportunities for refreshment this summer, opportunities to, to breathe in of your goodness and your love. For those who are alone or, or feel alone, I, I, I pray, Lord, they just kind of look around and see that there's people here who, who support them. Remind them, Lord, that you are there. Ani Yahweh, the, the, the Lord who is actively involved in the lives of his people. And remind us, Lord, that the big, big, big things are in your hands as well. Things we can't control. Things we, we wouldn't even want to control. We think we do, but <laughs> you, Lord, you drive. You lead us down the pathway of our lives. How to blessed people we are. Thank you for Moses, for his courage, for his brother, for, for, for them all coming out and for their foibles and misdeeds and all of those things that remind us that you are a faithful God that you are with us in every, every moment. 
of our lives. We come to you in the moments ahead, Lord Jesus, in prayer, so mindful of all the things going on, and, and, uh, and you come to us in the sacrament of the altar to be God inside of us, to be God uh, beside us, to be reminded that all things are in your hands. So bless us as we get after that, in Jesus' name, amen.